Hello and welcome to Those in Transit. My name is Ishaq. I'm an artist, a writer, performer, somewhat of a mediocre DJ and the host of this podcast. In Transit will revolve around the vibrant East African cultural scene, shedding light on a very promising corner of the world. I'll be interviewing African content creators to provide context on this untapped creative goldmine. Now, what my guests have in common is that they all have intriguing perspectives into a creative movement that I believe has a lot of potential, and not just as a commodity, but as a cultural revolution. I don't want to just analyze this revolution in the abstract. I want to paint a picture of what it actually means to create and progress in a 21st century East Africa through the lens of people on the ground and in the diaspora. At its heart, this is a celebration and a capsule of where the creative industries currently are because it's never been this promising to do what these people do in their communities. I spoke with Just Jose for a jarring glimpse into the landscape and the major cogs in the industry machine, keeping it from churning out Africa's next globally visible superstar. I'm uh, uh, Just Jose from Uganda, sound engineer, audio producer, and all-around entertainment entrepreneur. Jose is an accomplished producer, manager, promoter, and a creative entrepreneur, closely involved with startups that are revolutionizing the way Ugandans and soon East Africans are experiencing live entertainment. From mobile ticketing, in a market devoid of credit-based transactions, to the execution of unique and novel events that are attracting some of the continent's biggest stars, such as AKA and Burner Boy. He's a trusted voice in the creative community that has, over the years, connected artists with skilled labor from more robust markets like Nigeria and South Africa. Given his wide perspective, I won't lie, I was a little disheartened by the slightly bleak and jaded reality he describes for creative people in East Africa. Okay, and currently, from where you're sitting, um, what do you think are the high barriers to entry for people trying to get into the creative industry in East Africa? Number one would be the fact that we have no structures. There's no, you know, there's, first of all, we don't have things like schools to go to, to qualify, you know, for whatever creative business you're in. You know, it's just a very unstructured industry. Everything is just, you know, try and error. We just need structures, to be honest. Um, from the laws, copyright law to, you know, we just need, you know, a whole system that just works in favor of the creatives. Today, most tools and platforms used by artists to build careers in the West do exist in East Africa. The distinction is that the systems that these tools and platforms rely on for the most efficient outcomes are either too archaic, riddled with corruption, or simply non-existent. The more nuanced problem is that the people that need these systems the most have no clue how flawed they are. To anyone that's done the basic homework on the East African creative sector, this doesn't really come as a surprise. The lack of government support for fundamental protection of creative rights holders is the lead in almost any think piece you find covering the arts in the region. I doubt this strikes a chord with the average consumer, let alone the far removed ones. I too am bored by this story especially when creativity still in some sense exists and in few cases thrives. So how bad could it really be? I mean, despite the structures, people have still been able to do some things. Well, how far do you think they can go without those structures? 
not so far. For example, we can never break out into other markets without these structures. I'll give you an example. When you submit your video to be played on all these international channels, Trust TV, MTV, there's a form you have to fill out, yeah? They ask you for, I think it's called the ISRC code. Now, people here don't even know that when you release a song, you're supposed to get a code for it, you know, to identify your song anywhere. So let's pause there for a second. An ISRC code. International Standard Recording Code uniquely identifies sound recordings and music video recordings. It identifies particular recordings, so not the work itself. In short, this is the DNA of the song. Because of the lack of structures, we don't even have such systems here. So people just release music. Yeah. And I've had so many people come up to me and they're like, what is this code? I've never heard of it, but this is a very big artist. Full Condition is an annual compilation album presented by Tongaza magazine, showcasing the sonic diversity of rising East African musicians. The song playing now is called Body by Ugandan singer C. If you like what you hear, you can listen to the rest of the album at tongazamagazine.com or by searching Full Full Condition on any of the major streaming platforms. Our ministry here in charge of creatives and whatever should be at least looking out for them in that sense. They can't go far. It's only much you can do. The other thing is you won't make money off your royalties. Music will play world over, even locally, no one will pay you for it. So they end up doing music, I mean making money on uh, from shows, gigs, concerts here and there. You know, that's why you see Ugandan artists form a minimum of 10 shows a week because yeah. they have to make ends meet. And the only way they can do that is by doing as many shows as they can. But if they're generating revenue off their music sales and, you know, streams and all this stuff, they're not running around that much, you know. So they can't go far without structures. Now, to be fair, many artists around the world have no clue what this code is either. But they could still thrive and grow their reach without having to know what this code is or what it does. And this is what I mean. The tools by which an artist can get their song onto these platforms exist in East Africa. We do have the internet, shock horror. But the systems that need to be operational for this relatively unheard of code to be of any use couldn't care for the rights holder. And worse yet, no one would even know to look for these people because the government simply has bigger problems. Is there some kind of performing rights organization? Yeah, we have one. It's called uh, UPRS, Uganda Performing Rights Society. How effective is this performing rights organization? It's not effective because nobody knows who appointed them. It's just a bunch of people came together and decided to start a society, collect royalties. They're not in any way legally mandated to do it. Copyright society can't, can't do much because they're not appointed by anyone. And so how do they operate? How they're collecting the royalties but they're not paying them out to the rights holders? They're not, yeah, exactly. They're collecting from... Radios, TVs, it's basically something someone started for themselves. Yeah. So they collect money and they just split it amongst themselves. Wow. And like there's been no efforts to lobby against this? This is like an unchanged practice? They, they have, but 
what what even if you you know even if you go and go to parliament and try and get a law or whatever there is no quorum you know there is no the, uh, it's not something the political class is interested in right so they've tried to do all of that and then to no end so where does that leave artists with no royalties being collected an unhealthy amount of live shows is the only way to sustain a career and even then the economics doesn't quite check out a full band tech support transport and food we're not left with much you only increase your funds but not necessarily your uh, revenue if that makes sense yeah. yeah so you have so many maybe so many people attending your shows or you have more demand in red shows but you're not making money still from your royalties and all of that or sales because once again there's no structure so the the performance is that developed enough to sustain income or even that is also still underdeveloped um there's no creative work that goes into it a lot besides the skill of being able to play instruments and maybe having vocals yeah they've had gigs this entire week so they're busy they're making money but it's yeah. a band unless you're collecting say five thousand dollars a week you're five people six ten people still you're not making much yeah you know? yeah um but for them it's really not since they do covers and mostly not original um works of theirs so it's it's really not there's no investment really. yeah so they don't they don't expect much so i can't say it pays more true the the other the other the performing artists still make more money and of course the curse that's plagued music the world over since the turn of the century piracy now global music reports project that streaming will see continued growth through the next 10 years as the practice penetrates corners of the world that were previously inaccessible for now though many are making deal without it do you think as the price of mobile data comes down there might be more people who begin streaming music opening a way for artists to make money off their own royalties i think not i think i think the issue is just uh, the supply how you know the rules of demand and supply yeah so the demand is there the fans want to hear the music but how does it get to them like that structure isn't there okay for example we don't have we don't have platforms locally uh, made platforms that cater to needs of local fans yeah what we have is apple music itunes and all these other streaming uh, platforms but for example none of them you can only pay for those with visa or mastercard so just switching the payment structure for example would make the reach much better how far do you think streaming is from East Africa because essentially that's where the consumption of global music is going how behind do you think East Africa is in that regard <clears throat> it's, it's it's really gone i i was really in the beginning I was totally against streaming but i've been converted myself so and i've seen the convenience that comes with it yeah so it has gone i would say the upper class and middle class are, are hooked right but now the the people down there how do you reach them Ah, oh, I see. I see. We who and and they're the majority. Yeah. But I would say you only reach them by simplifying things for them. Yeah. Who understanding where they're coming from. For example, Apple Music is five dollars a month. That's the same money they pay to buy that MP3 with a hundred songs on it. On if I'm using Apple Music, I have the latest stuff every day. Yeah. Locally, internationally, everywhere. Yeah. In terms of 
exporting the music, especially from Uganda. Obviously, East Africa is within reach. Do you think as it becomes more accessible, a lot of the continent can then become something that uh, Ugandan artists can reach? Or do you think that even at its best, Ugandan music can't be exported? It can. The content is perfect. It's just the way it's being distributed. Uh, the way it's being packaged in regard to videos and even just the way they're releasing the music. Because if, for example, there's releasing a song in a week, I'll know about it maybe even two weeks before. I'll see artwork, I'll see the hype around it. Uh, the way they build the hype and do all of stuff. But uh, if you do, if you look at the way our guys are releasing music, it's not in any way uh, bound to cross-border. But that again goes back to structures. If we are ever to get there, we have to package ourselves in a way that will cross borders. Otherwise, we're stuck. We have the right music, but it's just not this. It's the way it's packaged. It doesn't really appeal to anyone. Even things as little as mastering. We don't. We hardly have anyone master their songs here. Wow. Everyone just records the song and releases. Wow. Um, who who is doing anything close to international packaging? Maybe not in Uganda alone, but in East Africa. Mm. East Africa, of course, Diamond and Miss Crew, yeah. uh, Salty Soul, even uh, the random artists. There's a guy called the Ben. There's a guy called Mickey. The packaging is perfect. Yeah. Fully, fully, like it's. It has that international appeal, and you can see from the number of views they get on their videos. It's beyond your, their local, you know, countries and stuff like that. They're crossing borders because yes. Diamond releases a song today, and tomorrow it's already at a million views. Right. You know. Yeah. So there's something he's doing right. He has a, he's grown his fan base, and it's way beyond, um, way beyond his country. When uh. I'll let you get back to your, your meeting. Appreciate you uh, taking some time. Cheers, man. Any day. Allah. you need anything more. This was great, man. Thank you so much. Okay, man. Cheers. Thanks. This was the one dim glimmer of hope in Jose's analysis. Smartphones. He's correct. Smartphone penetration is yet to capture the masses. But the GSMA reports that mobile adoption in the region has grown rapidly in recent years, with overall subscriber penetration reaching 44% in 2017, up from just 25% at the start of the decade. By 2025, there will be an estimated 690 million smartphones active in the region, with this representing 87% of total connections. As of 2017, we were sitting at 38% of total connections, with a stated growth of 440 million from the end of the year. 300 million additional people are to come online by 2025. The number of unique mobile subscribers is expecting a 4.6% increase by 2025, resulting in 52% of the population subscribing to mobile services. The subscriber growth is slowing because it still remains relatively unaffordable for the low-income population. Despite that, the smartphone adoption is set to still strongly grow and with 5G on the horizon, the ongoing shift to mobile broadband is only inevitable. 
What this all means is that the change we all want to see isn't around the corner, but it's only a matter of time. Until then, those willing to push boundaries of what is commonly tolerated will be the ones growing an audience beyond their borders. Cool. Wait, let me run the vibe, it's no race Give yourself some time to check face You can keep bad energy far away Hey, okay I'ma take my coffee, no lay She can tell I'm icy, ole Refresh, can keep it juicy, OJ She don't need no advice to choose me, it's blatant See the way she walk, it's a statement Like in how I talk, my jazz All gold, no gas, now she wanna let me taste it And I know she got that flavor Best intentions, worst behavior Clear my schedule, clear my data Body top shelf, need a shot, no chaser Full Full Condition is an annual compilation album presented by Tangaza Magazine, showcasing the sonic diversity of rising East African musicians. The song playing now is called Two of a Kind by Kenyan artist Mao. If you like what you hear, you can listen to the rest of the album at tangazamagazine.com or by searching Full Full Condition on any of the major streaming platforms. This is a GB Mystical production.